I will be reading the first seven verses of Psalm 25, and I invite you to join me together as we read together verses 8 through 10. A Psalm of David. In you, Lord my God, I put my trust. I trust in you. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame. But shame will come on those who are treacherous without cause. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Remember, Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me. For you, Lord, are good. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful towards those who keep the demands of his covenant. Good morning. I'll be reading uh, Jeremiah thirty-three, fourteen through 16. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the good promise I made to the house of Israel and to uh, the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will make a righteous branch sprout from David's line. He will do what is just and right in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and, and Jeremiah, uh, Jerusalem will, be, will live in safety. This is the the name by which it will be called, the Lord our Righteous Savior. Our next reading is 1 Thessalonians 3, 9 to 13. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your heart so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. Thank you. Our psalm today was Psalm 25. And there's a little piece of it that's really instructive, and I want you to hear it. It's verse 5 in the call to worship. Guide me in your truth and teach me, here it is, for you are my God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. That is powerful to me, especially when I think of the theme of this week, anticipation. Now, it does say next to uh, my uh, work this morning that there's a text to be read in Luke, and I would like for you to turn to that, Pew, Pew, Bible, page 972, Luke 21. I'm reading 25 to 36. There will be signs in the, moon, the sun, moon, and stars on the earth, Nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. People will faint from terror, apprehensiveness of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken at that time. 
they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. He told them this parable. Look at the fig tree and all its leaves. Excuse me, the fig tree and all the trees. When they sprout leaves, you can see for yourself and know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these happens, these things happen, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Be careful, or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you suddenly like a trap. For it will come all who live on the face of the whole earth. Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen. And you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. An odd text perhaps to read as we consider the first coming of Christ as we remember with anticipation looking back at what it must have been like for a people occupied by the Romans, looking forward to a deliverance, knowing the time was near, anticipating a Savior, looking forward to the first advent. And there are signs in the heavens for the first advent, weren't there? A star was seen in the east and was followed. There were signs seen in the heaven, for at the birth, angels, like so many stars, sang to the shepherds in their fields. There were signs. Even Herod paid attention. There were prophecies. And every faithful Jew read them and looked forward. And yet when the event came, how many were prepared? How many recognized it? How many saw it for what it was? How many were there to give their homage? So few. And so it is with the second coming. We know the signs. We see them repeated time and time again in the cycle of earth's history. Wars and rumors of wars. Signs in the heavens. We see these things. We wait We wait some more. We grow complacent in our waiting. After all, we're to occupy till he comes. I just wonder, will it be in the second coming as it was with the first? Will we find that we're asleep? That we're not ready? That we haven't anticipated that day? I think the reading for this morning connects what is most essential about our faith, past and present. You see, without a first coming, there's no second coming. Without an incarnation and a birth, without Christ an example and Christ a Savior, we have nothing to look forward to. And so we began a season of anticipating all over again the deliverance that has come. But if we're to maintain the depth of our Adventist experience, if we're to maintain the true spirit of Advent, we must not only look backward to an anticipation that was and that we can relive and feel again, but we must look for an anticipation of something that is to come. 
Jesus promised through the prophets that he would come. A deliverer of Jesse's root. And he promises that he comes again. And this is the anticipation. So all of you who are uh, born prior to 1979, join me in the tune, won't you? Anticipation. It's making me wait. Was that not the jingle? All right, good. That was very poorly done, by the way. Let's try it again. Anticipation. It's making me wait. Good, much better. Do you feel that way sometime? Do you feel like you're just waiting? You're just stuck in a holding pattern, wondering? I know our guests don't know the Noskis, but our members do. Andy and Chong were with us for a number of years. I just heard from them the other day. And it's such a sweet little line in his letter to me. Andy says, We thought we would move to Tennessee and live in a little place somewhere for a short time awaiting his coming. Awaiting his coming. Looking for the Christ. No longer a vulnerable baby. No longer one whom Herod could hunt. But one who comes as the King of kings and Lord of lords. The God of glory. This is what we anticipate. This is what we await. This glorious season. Our text in Jeremiah had some powerful things to say to us as well. I don't know if you caught them, but I would like you to to turn in your pew Bibles to the Jeremiah reference. It's uh, 732 in your pew Bible, Jeremiah 33. It's in a section called Promise of Restoration to Israel. And it was a short passage, 14 to 16. Days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the good promise I made. In those days and at that time, I will make a righteous branch, capital B, sprout from David's line. He will do what is just and right in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. The name by which it will be called the Lord, uh, this is the name by which it will be called, the Lord, our righteous Savior. This is what the Lord says. David will never fail to have a man sit on the throne of the house of Israel. A king is coming who will be forever. And this king who came is indeed forever. I don't want to get to the end of the, st- the punchline too quickly. After all, Easter is months away. But the babe we anticipate becomes a man. The man we anticipate teaches us and reveals to us the true nature of the Father, one who loves us, calls us his children, and claims us as his own, whose grace is so abundant there's room for all. And this God, this Father, doesn't end the story there. Christ is sacrificed, a ransom paid 
for sin. A ransom paid for you and I. That we might live and have life more abundantly and life eternal. And this same Jesus who died rose again and ascended to the right hand of God. And now I know I'm getting way ahead of myself this season. But when we anticipate the first coming, we anticipate the second. And when we anticipate the second, we anticipate the fullness of time. We anticipate that day when we will see that David's line has never failed. That this righteous branch sprouting from David's line, he will judge and he will do what is just and right in our land. That's where it comes down. We're people called in this season not only to remember and live in an anticipation past. That's the celebration before us. We're a people called to look forward, to anticipate, to say to ourselves, why is he making me wait? We're called to look forward to a second coming in which God's judgment and the consummation of all things that he's planned for us is made real. In the meantime, we get to do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. May he help us do that in community with one another and the world around us as we this season bring the anticipation and hope of the Savior of the world.